Welcome, welcome, welcome to Serially Hooked Star Wars, where your hookers Chris and Rashad, and today, a great society is now a memory. We have so many things coming down the pipeline for you. We have, obviously, this episode coming out on Sunday for you. Um, we have this week, D&D is back on Wednesday, so come check that out. And then we have a special, special, super, I mean, actually, like, probably the most super special bonus weekly hook episode coming out next friday you should definitely check that out all thanks to and shout out super shout out to logan love you logan (laughs) who made us our very own heidelberg jeopardy per hour on air request you are the (laughs) greatest of all time we're so excited to do that and see and test our knowledge of the great city of heidelberg how you feeling chris uh, I'm feeling generally very good, uh, slightly nervous about the Jeopardy because I don't really know shit about the city, but uh, we'll get to that in a later episode, I suppose. How are you doing out with Mando see, and everything that is going on? I'm feeling great. I'm feeling great. I'm ready to get into this. Really excited for this podcast. And I guess without further ado, what are you looking at? But but before we get into it, Chris, I feel like we have to, based on our conversations, revisit the infamous Chris Rides a Train um, oh. corner of the podcast. <laughs> I love this recurring bit. I really hope it's children on the train again, but uh, I have no idea what's coming. So you told me something happened. What happened, Chris? Yeah, so I was on vacation this week. Actually, I just came back uh, about 12 hours ago. And I took a seven, six and a half hour train ride. Um, and going back, I went to Amsterdam. Going going there, you know, we had just crossed the border. It was the second stop or something. And then nothing happened. And the people were like, yeah, we, uh, we're just going to be standing here for at least two hours. Because the um, the train in front of us, like there was something happened and they are just basically blocking the only route we can take. Oh, great. That's amazing. So we waited in the train for like 45 minutes and then, and there was another announcement saying that just so you know, there are buses now that will take you to the next city from where, from when you can take trains to your destination. And I was like, Oh, this is not good. If they're recommending us to take buses, this means this train is not going to move. And uh, yeah, so I just, I just, um, you know, went there. Uh, unfortunate, you know, kind of fortunately because uh, it, the the train just ended, like the people just ended up kicking out all of the passengers half an hour later anyway. And I know that because I was still standing where the buses were just because it was, you know, multiple trains worth of people trying to get onto three buses and then once (laughs) once they left there was like maybe a third of the people were gone and the rest were just standing there luckily the weather wasn't horrible um and so long story short on my way there i arrived three hours later than i was supposed to um for once this was not technically the fault of deutsche bahn this was the fault of uh the Dutch railing system that only apparently has one train track for quick train, like fast trains. 
and one for just regular trains because it was there was literally no going around except for you know taking the bus which was lovely and yeah on my way back yesterday you know just Deutsche Bahn, Deutsche Bahn doing Deutsche Bahn things I was just like an hour late it was fine uh, but that's just to be expected um, no no annoying children this time I'm kind of happy to report because that would have just uh you know made me made the situation so much worse but uh luckily that it wasn't like that people were annoying it's just the trains that were annoying that seems very inefficient for them to just have different rolling stock for their fast trains and their local trains just run them on the same lines and then just call, like it doesn't make no sense it does make sense because um if if a faster train needs to bypass a, a, sl a slower train and they only have the one train track you know there is no option for that they would have to wait so they would become a slow train as well um, the solution would obviously be to have multiple but i mean the netherlands are quite a small country and uh, it's very interesting as well go going through the netherlands it's just like you just stop every half an hour and there is another and you just go it's just such such a densely populated space it's very interesting to to travel through. Yeah, I mean, my only trip to the Netherlands, have I only been once? I think I've only been once. It was by bus. So it wasn't, I have Ooh. no experience with their rail system. And it was on purpose by bus. Yeah, no, I had sworn off buses. I had sworn off buses because I'm way too tall for them. And then I still had to take one. <laughs> so that's it that's terrible and like you basically you pay the price for the train and then you end up on a bus anyways so that sounds yeah. i'm so sorry chris it's okay you know on the grand scheme of things it wasn't that bad it was just so annoying because we didn't really know what was going on and you know the people on the train it wasn't their fault they didn't know what was going on and so you know it's just stuff happens but it's just like why does it keep happening all the time it's just so common it just never like surprises me when people have stories like this because it's just so normal in all of this space but yeah what can you do i guess you have no choice exactly on on the way back there was some issue with um adjusting the the, the width of the train like because obviously the rails in the netherlands and uh germany are s slightly different uh, which I thought it was pretty much, uh, you know, a, a standard, but apparently not. Um, <laughs> uh, we're not in the. Uh, we're still in the 18th century, as that goes. That's I ridiculous. Um, Honestly, yeah, what so, the hell? <laughs> so we were just uh, like in the middle of nowhere in the Netherlands, just just shy of the of the border, and just standing there for like 20 minutes because they had to, you know, adjust adjust something and it's like okay cool but why though it's not like this comes as a surprise that we're going to cross the border why does well i don't know i don't know what happened uh but i am i'm back now that's all that matters and it wasn't too terrible yesterday welcome back welcome back we're happy to have you yeah and i'm happy to be here and i now i now uh, just made it in time to watch the episode for today because i couldn't do it yesterday just because i arrived so late so i am here with a very fresh memory of this episode so let's uh you know and i kind of really want to talk about it so let's get into it let's do it we're here i guess finally we're gonna get actually into what we're gonna talk about to talk about <laughs> the mandalorian chapter 18 
the mines of Mandalore. I couldn't help but think about the ma- the mines of Moria every single time they said it. That's so funny. I mean, I've heard a very similar thing from other Lord of the Rings people. Um, yeah. So I, I, it makes total sense. They should really have thought <laughs> rethought the name of this <laughs> episode. Yeah. <laughs> but overall, what were your thoughts about the episode? Um, there were some writing things that I wasn't happy about, but overall, I think it looked amazing. Uh, just the the cinematography and the design of Mandalore specifically was really really great. I love the little. Um, I think it's it's a reference to the painting "The Sea of Ice" by Caspar uh, David Friedrich. Uh, the entrance to the mine looks exactly like that painting, um, and yeah, it was it was kind of fun to see that. I I kind of regret doing the uh, droid ranking now because we have R five uh, surprisingly prominent now. But yeah, what? I'm also happy, <laughs> <laughs> right? And um, yeah, but I'm happy that they went that way and not you know oh, I just need to find this piece and then I have to go to three different locations because uh, they don't have it on Tatooine, which um, I wasn't too happy about that we are on Tatooine again. I was kind of filled with some. I don't know. I, I was just not happy about it, but then glad we left very, very quickly, even though the things that happened there were okay in the end. But Grogu, obviously MVP here, uh, growing apparently much more emotive with his voice now, I find. And it's great to see Bo-Katan in action as well. What What do you think? What were your like general thoughts about this episode? Phenomenal episode. Incredible. The first scene where we I saw Tatooine, I immediately got super, super worried. But we were in, saw Peli, she's great, and out. That's It was perfectly fine in the end. I was really worried that this season was just going to be, as you said, a, a hunting mission for this useless memory chip. But they just accelerated right past that and moved on. But as soon as I saw the title card, The Binds of Mandalore, I knew we were in just for something incredible. Because yeah. what a great episode. It was, as you said, beautiful. It was really cool to see the Alamites, the local, the like supposed indigenous population of Mandalore before humanoid mm-hmm. uh, or human uh, colonization. Um, what an incredible sequence to see them fight as well and appear in the show. Um, it was from beginning to end, like re- just like a riveting thing. I just didn't want the episode to end. Um, at multiple points, I thought it would might end. Like you had like this really cool like you had creepy droid like stuff going on and like torture <laughs> happening you had baby yoda doing his thing like going like accelerating and being really cool showing his progress because i think that that's one mm. thing that they're trying to set up is that as the years have passed and they've been together for multiple years at this point they uh, you know grogu has really become come into his own a significant significantly compared to the past so it's really cool to see um that progress come to fruition here uh, and then we'll see what he can do in the future which will be really exciting um obviously obviously the biggest thing about this episode oh there's two big things like that i take away from like lore wise from this episode that i really liked uh one being um the di- the how do I, I hate to overuse the word dichotomy but juxtaposing um <laughs> din using the dark saber and bokatan using the dark saber it's clear yeah. that bokatan is much more uh, like she's she's really ready to use it she has used it she knows how to use the saber and din is still struggling with it he has improved since the episodes we saw him on boba fett he's not cutting himself in the leg anymore but he <laughs> is 
he is um, uh, still far and away uh, inferior to Bo-Katan and her skills with the saber. And there's a lot, a lot of different reasons we can get to that when we come to the scene about why that's the case potentially. But um, as for like seeing them two back and forth, I thought that was really interesting in terms of what does it mean to yield wheel, sorry, wield the dark saber and the consequences on the ground, and what's that going to mean for their potential impending conflict between the two of them? Which I am not convinced is going to be. I thought going to the season that would be the leading conflict in the season would be Bogotan versus uh, Dinjarin, but I think. That's really not going to be the case, but I guess well, I mean I could mm-hmm. be proven wrong. And then obviously the most important thing was the end sequence when we see the mythosaur still alive, the legend actually yeah. realized underground, <laughs> underwater, and that just explodes the lore in terms of what we understand of Mandalore, what can potentially happen, and how big this story can be in terms of the role that um, Dinjarin or Bo-Katan or whomever is going to play. In, uh, I mean, it's it, it's his, it's been compared multiple times to a messiah-like figure, um, but how mm-hmm. big that role can be for the Mandalorians coming together and uniting behind someone, uh, and just having the Mythosaur there and, and and proof of its existence is incredible and 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 sort of game-changing for Star Wars itself. Yeah, for sure. And speaking of dichotomies, uh, the discussion they had just before Din went into the water was also, you know, I mean, it's nothing new, but I just like that they reiterated it with a slightly different rhetoric about the creed versus children's stories. And then, as you said, um, you know, going underwater, seeing them with Thor, and yeah, just Bokutan has a bit, little bit to think about now, I suppose, as does Mando. But so, um, yeah, well, let's actually go maybe scene to scene so we can just get into the nitty-gritty. Okay, well, hold on, hold on. This is my time ah. to host. You're doing these transitions now? No, no, no. This is my okay. game, Chris. I ain't okay. done yet. Sure, sure. <laughs> the thing is, okay, you can't ahead. just bring up a great point and then just be like, let's transition now. You got to give me the time to respond. Let me cook, Chris. <laughs> I thought we were still going with general impressions and then talk about it later, but sure, we can we can just mix and match. Yeah, you know, this is all just like a general like mishmash anyways, right? So, just one quick thing. Um I really like that you brought up Bo-Katan and, and uh, Din Djarin's conversations between e- between each other, especially regarding the creed and sort of this idea of the the children of the watch and I loved how Bo-Katan basically proposed it as something that was just ritual and didn't really mean anything and had been forgotten. So that religiosity mm-hmm. had been lost or that spiritualness had been lost and it just became this 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 um, facade to a certain extent within Mandalorian communities uh, or sorry, on Mandalore at writ large. But it is incredible. I love Katie Sackhoff's performance in this episode and the look on her face of admiration and somewhat just like, like, kind of be- and willingness to somewhat follow this man like that's like that's the read that i had it when she gives him a look as he starts his creed and and you can see the belief and it's incredible acting because you see like without much movement because you see this belief coming emanating out of dinjarin as he's walking into the into the wa- living waters of the minds of mandalore and just holding his hands out for all the vulnerability in the world and before he gets sucked in it is an inc- i just i found that an incredible what like meaning for the, potentially the future and this it could be the moment where Bo-Katan really believes in Dinjarin potentially. And I think this is just, it's a great subversion of um, uh, the expectation of 
where um, beliefs and and lore in their world, so that their legends play a part in and getting lost in modernity, but then bringing it back. It's just an incredible like um, theme through this episode that I thought I'm not I'm not even done reconciling with it because it's so deep, and I think it's going to be the whole season. But I'm just like, super excited to see where we go with this. Yeah, this is obviously a very important sort of moment in the relationship between the, the two of them. And yeah, I'm also super curious of where it's going to go. Um, <laughs> yeah, Darksaber dark saber fights or skills rather aside. But yeah, it was super interesting that the talk between the two of them and it's just gonna get better i think i can't wait and now let's go into the episode uh-huh. uh, bit uh-huh. by bit are you ready now <laughs> sure i i've been ready two minutes ago so uh let's do honestly this. you've probably been ready for like 10 minutes ago but i've just been monologuing this entire time because i love this episode <laughs> so much uh, i mean i get it i'm you know we all love your monologues here so we're he- all here for it um yeah as you mentioned you know Tatooine, Pally. I thought, oh no! First, we're gonna see uh, we're gonna see grief for an episode. Now we're gonna see Pally for an episode. I I love the bit with the Jawas and their little deal, uh, and the whole R five thing. But yeah, as you as you mentioned at first, I was very skeptical of oh no, we're here. Are we going to spend the entire episode here? Um, despite the title of the episode, obviously. Um, but overall, I thought. You know, despite what I felt going into it, I thought that was a very neat and tidy scene. Yeah, a great scene. I just like, Pelly is kind of like, uh, I should be worried about her. Like, I would not want to. Like, <laughs> she's like stealing parts off people's speeders and then reselling it back to them. That's some like mob boss stuff. Uh, and she's in cahoots yeah. with the Jawas. It's it's really interesting. And doesn't she have like a relationship with one of the Jawas, if I remember correctly? So I really wonder how that's playing on. Is she just like the boss of the Jawas? That'd be so cool. Like a fan fiction of Pelimoto mm-hmm. just running Jawas shit. So you're you're also shipping I mean I think I mean they, they talked about it explicitly. I think one of her former lovers was the Jawa. I don't think they're uh I don't know, maybe they've rebound, but uh you know, I don't. I I'm not sure whether they're still seeing each other. Um, I would ship Pelly... anyone with Pelimoto. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was going to say like Pelly's dating dating uh, life aside. Um, I I love the whole, you know, the back and forth, and then the uh, the conclusion with the Jawas, and oh, that, that's why it's broken. Um, and then we have R 5s big entrance. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about R five here. I'm really happy to see R5. It's really cool what they did in terms of giving him a personality because up until this point, his only personality was just breaking down in A New Hope uh, so that R2-D2 <laughs> could be taken away by Luke. So a really good choice. Um, I, I really love that he was just so scared. It was. I wish they could mm-hmm. have like pulled it out a little bit more. Um, but in the end, he came through. Like He flew Grogu over to um, Kalevala um, to pick up uh, Bo-Katan, and they knew what it was doing, and, you know, R5 did his job. Um, so kudos to R5. You know, it's really good. He's rising up the ranks quickly in the droids community. <laughs> yeah, for sure. He might be the second droid that uh, Mando ends up trusting. Who knows? 
um obviously yeah i i, lo- I loved how he was like you no know, like pally just literally tries to sell din on r5 and r5 is almost like giving her the side like what the fuck are you doing yeah <laughs> i want to stay here i don't want to go to a faraway planet and like you know go spelunking with this guy <laughs> like this is dangerous like let's just keep me here and uh pally is just like no you've you've been built for this haven't you fought in the wars and blah 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 and i think she was lying about that too I, I don't think yeah, there's yeah, any yeah. way he actually fought in the wars. No. Um, it's really funny. I think he like uh dropped his like he dropped his little part thing there. Where he just like uh, <laughs> expelled it, like pretending he's broken. I think he did the same thing in A New Hope. It's just like <laughs> he's just like whenever he doesn't want to do something, he just breaks down, and he's like, <laughs> "I'm not gonna go where you want me to go." Like in The New Hope, the Jawas were gonna leave in the middle of the desert, and he's like, "No, screw this. I'm not doing that." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a great defense mechanism it's almost like uh what's it like what is it there isn't there like some some type of lizard that that they can kind of leave behind their own tail or something like that and just run away oh yeah oh my god pause for live googling (laughs) well according to the great wisdom of the internet most lizards apparently can do that oh there you go nice <laughs> it's amazing i mean and i think r5 so r5 stands in a long line of uh great uh evolutionary defense mechanisms here so his spirit animal is a lizard absolutely oh my god so quickly what would be r2's um spirit animal i would say like a fox oh that's good He's a survivor. He's sly. He's very intelligent. Um, yeah. He just like gets shit done. He's a fox. Um, That's really C three PO. C three. I mean, <laughs> is a peacock? I don't know. Just like louder and obnoxious. Person. And <laughs> British person. <laughs> what? Oh. <laughs> uh. No. Um shout out to the he's UK. Like a, we love you. <laughs> sure. He's like a British butler. Uh no, a peacock, huh? That's interesting. Cuz he doesn't know when to sh- like I just like maybe not a peacock, maybe like what's a really a, like a rooster, but a rooster has some utility. I'm trying to think of like mm-hmm. what is a loud bird, not a loud bird. <laughs> a loud animal that just has no utility on top of it. Oh, okay. You know what he is? He's a um you know those frogs that are like really, really loud in the middle of the night? Oh, oh my yeah. god. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> All right. Um pause for more Googling. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for the internet for reminding me. It is a kooky frog. Spelled I don't know how to pronounce it actually. It's C O Q U I frog. They're native to Puerto Rico, apparently, but they're an infestation mm-hmm. now in Hawaii and they're super loud and obnoxious. And in my head, that's what C-3PO is. He's just really loud and obnoxious, doesn't know when to shut up, doesn't really have much utility, and is just waddling around. (laughs) Okay, wow. Um, I think this could be a whole separate episode, like the spirit animal of droids, because I'm now tempted to go through all of them, but uh, we've already... (laughs) uh, We haven't really talked about much of the episode, so maybe we can save that for later. (laughs) Um, Where were we? Um, The next scene, they arrive in Mandalore at that point next Mm -hmm. basically um but on the way they have this beautiful training sequence where he's talking to 
um, Grogu telling him about how to navigate the stars, pointing where Kalevala was, um, and they just, before they land onto Mandalore, they send out, or as they land onto Mandalore, they send out R5 to go inspect the mine's air for breathability, and then he disappears. Yeah, in a hilarious bit with the uh, with the radar or whatever it was, and just following the little, the little red dot, and then it just vanishes. <laughs> and I wish I wish we had taken ten more seconds of Mando just being exasperated. Yeah, right. Just a little bit longer that would have been fun, but no, it, it was good. Yeah. I think uh, they had to get a move on. A lot of things happened in this episode. Hmm. Yeah, it was very tight. This episode was very tight. Yeah, at some points it felt a little bit rushed, uh, but for yeah. the most part, uh, I, I I see why. Um, mm-hmm. I really like every time Mando is just talking to Grogu about being a Mandalorian, what it means, yeah. and just being a good teacher. Like he's a great teacher. He's not only a good father, mm-hmm. he's a great teacher, and I, I'd love to have him as my professor. So please, uh, Dinjarin, <laughs> if you want to show up. Pedro Pascal, come to my university. <laughs> <laughs> so so you want, uh, what's, his, uh, what's his name? The guy, the, it's a trap guy as your father. We've established that. You want Din as your uh, mentor or a teacher. So we can just fill all of all of the crucial aspects of your life with Star Wars characters. Save that for another off the hook. It's going to be a good one. <laughs> sure. Um, no. Um, did you have any thoughts about this scene or up until, I guess, potentially when Din Djarin gets um, captured? Womped. Um, I think just the atmosphere is great. Again, the look is amazing, but also when he enters the cave, he's, you know, the the sense of foreboding is very, is like pretty great some decent fight scenes um and yeah i don't know I, one of these things like, a very dark episode in terms of just like i had to increase my screen brightness a lot during this one and uh, yeah i just i just love the uh i forget what they're called you mentioned them earlier the like native population that just the alamites and it's, the alamites yeah um and it's just very true to life in that you know if if like a, i don't know a city is abandoned or something how nature reclaims it and i think they were also kind of part of it because they're like repopulating what like used to be theirs and uh, yeah it's it's just very fascinating and then we get the creepy creepy attack by that mech suit yeah, incredible. I love that Mexu. He was, or that mm-hmm. dro- uh, cyborg, I guess, not a droid, was absolutely yeah. incredible. Um, one of the things that I love about the fight scenes that they're doing in this in season, or they do this generally in The Mandalorian, is that the fight scenes teach you something about what's going on in the character's mm-hmm. mind. So in this case, what we learn is that he's still not good with the, the Darksaber yet. And uh, that's good kind of to like put him down. And then also... He he gets attacked when he's off guard because he sees these Mandalorian helmets that have been burned to a crisp, basically. It's mm-hmm. like, what can do this? And for me, it reminds me a lot of Star Wars Rebels when and, and Sabine Wren's um, uh, weapon that could 
basically that attracts to Beskar and burns it all up. So I'm really mm-hmm. wondering what weapon did this and how are they going to like explain basically like how Mandalore got got whooped because I have a feeling they're going to kind of bring that to light to to a some degree in this episode yeah. or not in this episode in this show. I- I hope they're doing it better than explaining why the communication doesn't work because that was pretty like, I'm just stating something and it's obvious that it's going to be important later. Uh, yeah. You know, and it was just like, okay, cool. Maybe take two more sentences and, you know, a second draft maybe, <laughs> but um, oh well. At least for that sequence, it's roped into uh, him explaining to Grogu a bunch of other things as well. I mean, it's 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 sloppy to a certain extent, or it's simple, um, but it is also, it, it kind of makes sense a little bit, but yeah, I, I agree with you. It's just like, okay, what we understand why this is happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same with the, I mean, with the maps, not so much, but I could also feel like, okay, this is going to be important that he shows it to to Grogu, like how to navigate. <laughs> like, I wonder when that's going to come up, and it came up later in the episode, because yeah, um, Din gets captured by this really creepy uh, mech suit that is, uh, you know, that is used by something that's even creepier. That honestly, from from a sound design perspective, reminded me a lot of the Geonosians. It kind of looked like him too, like a bug. Yeah, exactly. That's why I was just very like um, into that idea. Obviously, with the uh, the best part of it kind of we get to that later with the with the head but also that also kind of goes with insects who can sometimes just continue on living without their heads so it was very insectoid even though it was mostly mechanical but um yeah i did i appreciated the look didn't like it but that was just because it was like effective in what it was portraying and didn't just out of his leak kind of surprised probably and uh yeah, he sends he sends Grogu off. Go to go to Bo-Katan, he says. And that he does. He makes it all the way to Kalavala, thanks to R5. <laughs> and Bogotan is just still sitting in the same chair, just chilling right there. Um moping. But then they rather. yeah, really moping. She has like really issues. She should see someone about that. Yeah. Yeah. She she really is like probably used to getting attention as like a princess and now she's oh, nobody likes me um <laughs> well <laughs> please continue with your bokatan impression no 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 but um yeah speaking of sloppy writing this was like the worst offender i thought where um you know oh she we see the ship approaching and bokatan is annoyed that didn't i wasn't i clear i'm going to you know and this once and for all and so he she kind of wants a conflict with din and as soon as she sees it's just grogu and din is in danger she helps him which could have been a great sort of way of portray like further characterizing bo-katan but it was just too quick like it was a 180 within literally two seconds and that was again a little bit too quick for me that's interesting i don't think it's that bad um i think the the earlier mm. stuff is actually a little bit sloppier. Um, this is just like, it makes sense. Like uh, she doesn't want to be bothered with this useless stuff basically, but she still like mm-hmm. doesn't hate um, a Dinjar. And so I, I, I mean, it's okay. Like I don't, 
I, I don't have the same feeling as you do, um, but I, I kind of get. I, I kind of like how they just skipped the yada, the yada yada, that kind of stuff, um, and they just like <laughs> yeah. moved on. Uh, which, in some in some degrees, like yeah, like in some ways, you want to like um, elongate the turn, um, especially when it's consequential. But I think in mm-hmm. some cases, like this, where it's really not that important, like Bogotan is going to end up helping Dinjar, and like, but it's just a matter of just how fast you're going to do it, um, just to kind of like um spin it around quite quickly um mm. i think it was just efficiency uh but you know it, it, no. that's not that big of a deal anyways i think because in the grand scheme of this episode um no, it, we just true. yeah get get bogatan using the like slaver against the big cyborg spider that was cool <laughs> yeah and that's what happens next <laughs> yeah on the way it's really cool that you know um she and her like when she's moving i with grogu through the caves i found it so endearing anyone who interacts with grogu and just like gives him some attention i immediately really like so it was really cool to see her interact with grogu give him some like positive reinforcement and also like tell him his 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 importance and like uh have him face his fear so i mean now i like bokatan so much more just after that one interaction (laughs) with grogu yeah what what also stuck in my mind was though her telling him like oh you thought your father was the only mandalorian huh that's not true so kind of broadening his horizon as well yeah it's like grogu has to learn from other people like you can't only learn from mm-hmm. your parents that's what's a, a sheltered environment so it's really yeah. cool to see him out in the world for sure and i love the whole dynamic of you know everybody is just talking about Grogu as Din's child and just like very accepting of it. And I thought that that was pretty cool as well. Um, but yeah, it was a very interesting little walk <laughs> throughout. And then we get to the creepy spider dungeon. Yeah, such a cool scene. Um, she's fighting, she fights it off, she beheads it and then kills it again. Like kick ass. Uh, before that, it was so creepy when he was like starting to take Medin's blood. I'm like, oh man, mm-hmm. they're really getting serious here. This is intense. Yeah. Again, kind of going with insects, like blood sucking sort of thing, you know? Yeah. Um, and I mean, you know, Bo-Katan taking the light. The, we, we, we've also, we've both struggled today just call, calling it the dark saber instead of lightsaber. But um, the dark, taking the dark saber, and that's what literally kills it. Um, I thought it was very effective the way they put, like, showed the head just detaching and going away. I was like, oh, wow, this is this is bad. Um, also super creepy. And then obviously going back into the mech suit. Um, I wonder what that was. I wonder if we're ever going to see that again or if if it's just an interesting one once-off thing, which I think is fine because you don't have to explain everything. Yeah, for sure. Um, and... The next scene is where we start to we see Sindari, the ruins of Sindari mm-hmm. under this like like it was. I thought that was incredible. That's a scene or a shot that I'll never forget. I thought it was beautifully yeah. done. It actually looks like Sindari. Like I can like I obviously like can't picture everything, but it feels like it's the same exact city that was depicted in Clone Wars, and it 
is just like it does such a good job in the justice to the original shows and original depiction mm. and it looks like a beautifully done wasteland and you can see how much effort was put into this uh so just incredible work on this and you can see why this season of television took so long to make <laughs> yeah i wonder if they have like a whole city map for that city i'm sure they do i'm sure they do yeah, so incredible, like, scene as they're walking through the old city. They're just, like, exploring and seeing it all. Bo-Katan is talking about her experience and about her family, how it ruined and everything. And she, they haven't mentioned Satine yet. That No one's mentioned Satine. Mm-hmm. And that is, <laughs> like, I don't know why Bo-Katan is still doing that. She hasn't mentioned that she was a part of Death Watch. And she hasn't mentioned that she, like, overthrew her sister, basically. So... I really wonder what's going to happen with that. I, I know, like, she wouldn't, like, say these things out loud because these are th- read on her ledger, basically. But mm. this information is going to come to light and how that affects her relationship to everyone else is going to be really interesting, specifically Din, because he doesn't know any of these things. Yeah, but I think that's exactly why she's withholding that because she knows it's going to impact it. Yeah, that that's clear. I'm just saying it's really interesting to see how that's going to impact their relationship. For sure, for sure. Uh, yeah, and it must, I think, you know, obviously Din is trying to make up for his past sins is what, how they're trying to frame it. But I, I thought Bo was much more uh, interesting here, just trying to get into her headspace of, wow, she used to wander these streets, this was her home, and now she just sees it as this ruin. And it's incredible, like, emotionally that must have been really difficult and she emotes it here and there as well and kind of the cracks under her armor or her facade so to speak and yeah it must have been really tough i i found this in, just like it's really an emotional scene between the two of them and this great back and forth is uh you know it's it's never ending <laughs> this this episode is so good <laughs> it's so yeah. good um and especially with his determination and she's just like you're gonna keep going like come on guy like you just you need a rest <laughs> yeah. and he's like no i gotta go i gotta go i gotta go this fanaticism yeah. is really like at the beginning of this episode she's i mean she's as she's always been very skeptical of it but then by the end of the episode uh, in the next scene uh, which we'll talk about in a bit and i've already alluded to um yeah. and she starts to really you can see on her face she starts to really see things mm-hmm. yeah and uh, shall we get into the last scene of today? The Creed. I love it. Mm-hmm. So good. As as I said, I love the discussion. And it was just, if you, if you just take it in the abstract way, it's such an interesting comment about uh, beliefs and how, you know, how subjective everything is. And the, it's kind of this idea of like his, human history being a, kind of a history of conflict of ideas and uh you can just see it right there um and i love the back and forth all of the arguments so fascinating well i like i mean it's no secret that like many people believe that mandalore and the mandalorians are an allegory for earth and humanity yeah. in the star wars universe they're a society that has been plagued by constant internal conflict and strife and killing each other, and it ended up with the destruction of their planet. Not that hard to um, <laughs> make an allusion to humanity. So it yeah. is. It makes total sense um, about this question of belief and 
uh, how legend turns into so many and religion, how, how legend turns into religion and turns into like fanaticism and then turns into like belief again and turns into just like this cycle of of all these things going back and forth between these two characters all in, in, in one conversation, basically, in one mm-hmm. scene of this episode. Yeah, and here I really must commend the writing because they're really like managing to just you know keep it keep it to its basics and really boil it down and that was just uh, one of my favorite scenes of the show maybe so far yeah of all the show up until this point i think this is one of the best episodes of the mandalorian period so far uh, because Mm -hmm. of all of this and at the end we do get the the glimpse of the mythosaur which Mm -hmm. uh, just to clear it's clear that the mythosaur pulled down dinjarin right yeah i would assume so uh at first okay. i was i was pretty sure that some something pulled him down and then we didn't see anything and i was like oh so he maybe just slipped which made it even funnier and just seeing him though it was so fun i like i laughed out that was kind of a laugh out loud moment for me because he's just like kind of walking down the steps and then he just vanishes <laughs> it's kind of it was maybe it wasn't intended to but i just found it to be comical but yeah i am pretty sure that the mythosaurus just pulled him down and that's what gets everything that's that we will see in the next few episodes going so just to just to put like the information on the mythosaur um out there so the mythosaur what is was up until this point a legendary beast that the lore of mandalore um stated that um, in the initial unification of Mandalore, um, a leader named Mandalore the Great, who this planet was later named after, rode the Mythosaur and basically united all of Mandalorians together and created a unified front. So when we're considering what does the Mandalore mean and what does the Mythosaur mean for showing up, I mean, this could mean so many things. Did the Mythosaur choose Din Djarin in some way here? Is it just that the Mythosaur was around during this, uh, like, uh, just came back in within the absence of Mandalorians or technology and all these things that they had for so long? It's really interesting to think about what, like, what are the consequences of the Mythosaur appearing here, especially when it comes to what is going to happen with Din Djarin, and is it the case that Din is going to ride the Mythosaur and or conquer the Mythosaur? Is it going to be Bo-Katan? Who's going to unite the Mandalorians together? Because that seems to be what's going on um, from like the future of the show. So it'll be an incredible, like um, uh, you know, it, it's just really cool to see something so grand and um, steeped in like the story of the uh, of Mandalore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. I I prefer the <laughs> the version of basically the mythosaurs used Din to get uh, to get Bo down and uh, you know just have her perceive it and kind of make her a true believer in some some of the children's stories as she put uh, she put it herself um, that'd be really interesting. Um, Loki, I'm not really a fan of like the chosen one things, but I mean that's also what Star Wars is about, partly. Um, so, so I hope they don't do it too much, to be honest. But um, 
it's just uh you know one of these narratives that's just always lurking in the shadows yeah it's really interesting to see what's going to happen from that um and I think it also brings the question of like, there's multiple ways to unify Mandalore, right? So the idea mm -hmm. was this focus has always been on the Darksaber since Tar Vizsla, basically. And mm -hmm. once we come back to this, is there a different way to do it? Can we do things differently and um, and create the, the end result that we want? So it'd be exciting to see. I just can't wait for the next episode. What's the consequences of it? I just want to see know, the reaction right? of the characters. Ah, so mm -hmm. I can't, it's, it's exciting. <laughs> Just just a ten minute scene between the two of them just talking about what they just um what just occurred. But also also a third option would be uh, Grogu. Because Grogu probably has some might have some force connections, you know, with the mythosaur. Maybe Grogu is the like the person that unite because he's gonna kind of get uh raised as a Mandalorian, so maybe he's gonna be ruler of Mandalore at some point. That would be absolutely incredible. I would, I would take that in a heartbeat. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, I yeah, feel like I, the entire uh, world would just like, like, just rise up in revolt if, if like, not revolt, <laughs> but like enjoy <laughs> if yeah. that happened. Absolutely. I mean, I'm here for it. <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I for me, it's the same as for you. I just can't wait to see what the next episode brings and the outcome of what happened here at the very end. And oh my god, I'm I can't believe that we're in Mandalore now. And you know, it's only been the second episode, so there's still much more to come. And we'll be here to talk about all of it, all of it, all of it, all of it. Thank you so oh, much yeah. for listening. Um, Chris, thank you for, for talking to me about this amazing episode of television. I hope you had fun with me. Oh, for sure, man. I wouldn't do it with anyone else. All right. Well, thank you so much. And thank you, listener, for sticking with us this long. If you want to support the show, what did we say we're going to ask people to do now? I don't even remember. <laughs> Uh, just subscribe to the show um, because that way, you know, you make sure that you get all of our new episodes and you can tell some friends if you want because word of mouth always helps. Um, sure, rate us if you want, um, but really subscribing to the show is the most important part. Yeah. Um, th thanks, Chris, for saving me. Always on top of it. Thank you so much. <laughs> and I guess without further ado, for Chris, I'm Rashad. Talk to you next time. Bye.